Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. For free resources and free messages, visit our website, friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or call us for more information at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Okay, well, let's go ahead and start then. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. We are your children, Lord. We are your students this morning, and you are our teacher. And so, Lord, we present ourselves to you and want to be, as is described in the word, as ready students. And so we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 27 and verse 1. And we're going to read here for the first 17 verses. And it came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his eldest son, and said unto him, My son, and he said unto him, Behold, here am I. And he said, Behold, now I am old. I know not the day of my death. Now, therefore, take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver and thy bow, and go out to the field and take me some venison." And make me savory meat, such as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. And Rebekah heard when Isaac spake to Esau his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it. And Rebekah spake unto Jacob her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau thy brother, saying, Bring me venison and make me savory meat, that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock, fetch me from thence two good kids of the goats, and I'll make them savory meat for thy father, such as he loveth. And thou shalt bring it to thy father, that he may eat, and that he may bless thee before his death. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man. I'm a smooth man. My father, peradventure, will feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver, and I shall bring a curse upon me, and not a blessing." And his mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse, my son. Only obey my voice and go fetch me them. And he went and fetched and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory meat, such as his father loved. Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in her house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands, upon the smooth of his neck. And she gave them savory meat and bread, which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. Such an exciting portion of here, you kind of hate to stop right here, just keep on going, you know, for all the rest of the Bible, for that matter. But anyway, but we do come now to chapter 27. This chapter is going to carry us from the history of Isaac, which we've been studying, into the history of Jacob, which is coming on now. This is a, this is a chapter of really the life of a family, the life in a family, in, in Isaac's family. This is a chapter of trouble in a family. This is a chapter of tragedy in a family. And in this chapter, we clearly see this trouble, this tragedy in Isaac's family. And we saw that we saw trouble, we saw tragedy. We're not a, it's not like we haven't seen that before, but we've seen that in Abraham's family. We will see it in Jacob's family. We saw this trouble and tragedy in Abraham's family and Isaac's family now and Jacob's family. We're just kind of seeing a pattern here of trouble and tragedy in a family. And, and this is the chapter of profound family tragedy, where we'll also see profound salvation by God in this family. 
And, and, and so it's a beautiful picture for us in this chapter because what we're going to see in this family, how God is in the business of taking shattered pieces, in this case of a family, and bringing it together and, and doing something beautiful out of it. I mean, in this tragic history of this family, we're going to see in the tragedy of what we're going to read here in chapter 27, we're going to see Isaac with his secret stubborn resolve to disregard God's choice to who should receive the blessing of Abraham and Isaac's willful choice. He doesn't care. He wants to give that blessing to who he wants to give it to. It happens to be Esau. In this tragic family scene here, we're going to see Rebecca, the mother, with a self-willed scheme of her own, a scheme of proud deceit to cheat her husband, to manipulate the blessing to go to Jacob, her favorite son. In this tragic family history, we're going to see Jacob, the weaker son, being pushed by his mother into a terrible deception of his father, and he knows it's wrong. In this tragic family scene here, we're going to see Esau, the stronger son, with an arrogant attitude towards God of, I don't care about you. I just want material parts of this blessing. And we're going to see him with an arrogant attitude towards all the household of, I'm the heir apparent. I'm the privileged prince. All this is mine by right. In this picture, we're going to see him with this arrogant attitude toward his father, like the prodigal son, who's going to say, just hurry up and die already so I can be about the business of killing Jacob. This is tragedy. In this tragic scene, although he's not there, really Abraham is in the background, with, and you can almost hear his exhortation as he's saying, now you be sure to give the blessing, my blessing, from God to the one who God has chosen, and don't do what I did and try to force Ishmael as God's choice when God never chose Ishmael. And so in this tragic family scene here, we're going to see just a mess of a highly charged, deeply emotional whirlwind of all these characters. And what's so astounding about it? is that in the middle of this mess, in the middle of this whirlwind, there's God right in the middle of it all. And he's right there doing what he says he does in Romans 8, 28. He's he's there, and he's working all things together for good, and we're going to see this happen. Now, we start off a chapter with a statement about Isaac. We're told that he's old. And he says, it came to pass that when Isaac was old, his eyes were dim so that he could not see. He called Esau, his eldest son, said unto him, my son, he said unto him, behold, here am I. So don't make a mistake about it when, you, when we read this. It's not saying he didn't know who he was calling. His eyes were dim. He knew who he was calling. He was calling Esau. He got Esau. He was speaking to Esau. But we're told that he's old, and he wants to now declare his will. This is his will that Esau is going to be his heir. Isaac has no interest in making Jacob his heir. None whatsoever. He has no interest in passing the blessing of Abraham on to Jacob. Now, we look at verse 1 there. It's written in such a way that it's for us not to miss this because we can look at simply and just pass over and say, okay, you know, he was old, his eyes were bad, you know, and, you know, it describes his condition. He's got bad eyesight, you know. But 
the way it's written leads us to see, uh, to see that it's more than just physical eyesight that his eyes are dim. Because this statement, it wasn't just his physical eyes that were dim he couldn't see, but his spiritual eyes were dim so he couldn't see spiritually. And that's what we're going to have all these problems because Isaac couldn't see spiritually. The astounding part in verse 1 are these three words, he called Esau. And you put that, he called Esau, you put that together, his eyes were dim, he called Esau. He called Esau, why? Why did Isaac call Esau? I mean, what could Isaac not see? His eyes were dim, he couldn't see. Isaac could not see that he was calling the wrong son. See, we put that phrase together, he could not see, he called Esau. See, Isaac should have called Jacob, but Isaac could not see that he should have called Jacob to give him the blessing of Abraham and to make him his heir. So instead he calls Esau to give him the blessing and make him his heir. Okay, stand back and we'll ask a question. Why should Isaac have known that Esau was not to be his heir and he was not to receive the blessing of Abraham? I mean, mean, why should he have known that? Well... You're both right. <laughs> I love to do that. You're right, and you're right too. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're both right. Start with you. The younger shall serve the elder. The elder shall serve the younger. You're right too. <laughs> the elder shall serve the younger. Because Isaac knew that God had spoken. God had spoken and said Jacob was to be the heir. He was to receive the blessing of Abraham because of what the verse you were quoting there, Genesis 25, 23. The Lord said unto her, two nations are in thy womb. Two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. The one people shall be strong than the other, and the elder shall serve the younger. God had spoken to Rebekah, and Rebekah told Isaac that God had told me that I've got twins inside of me. And yep, sure enough, there were twins. So that proved it was from God. And there was a decree, and the decree was that the elder was going to serve the younger. See, that was a direct decree from God. And that was enough for Isaac to know that Jacob was God's choice for his heir to receive the blessing of Abraham. That was the word of God to Isaac on who was to be his heir. And that's the most reliable guidance that Isaac had for which son should be his heir and who should receive the blessing of Abraham. But Isaac, he didn't heed that. He didn't listen to that. He didn't listen to the word of God. And then he didn't listen to what Rebekah had said about Jacob, and he questioned what she said. And so the mother said unto him, see, this is where Rebekah stands up, and we can see kind of a spirit here in Rebekah. When Jacob now really goes to his mother and um, he says, you know, I don't think this is really right, but he really didn't put it that way. He said, you know, you're endangering me to be, get a curse. And boy, does she come out with fire in Genesis 27, 13. And his mother said unto him, I'm upon me be thy curse, my son. Only obey my voice. Go fetch them for me. What do we see in verse 13 here? What we're really seeing here, we're getting an idea, is what happens to anyone who stands in the way of what Rebecca says to do. After all, this was a reasonable resistance that Jacob had. It was reasonable for him to question the wisdom to do something here. You mean, really, Mom, is this really right to do? I mean, I'm going to be dead wrong in doing this. Is this really right? And what we don't see in verse 13 is Rebecca who is 
gentle. We don't see meekness. We don't see like a meek, meek, meek. We don't see a meek-like spirit of consideration for the feelings and the thoughts of another person that has presented some counter-arguments to consider. But what we do see in verse 13 is that when anyone stands in Rebecca's way, you can just hear the roar of the Mack truck. <laughs> as it shifts down to lower gears and revs up its engine. And, and all you see is the bright, shiny bumper in front of you. And, and, and that's what happens here. And so if we put ourselves in Jacob's shoes here in verse 13, what, what you hear in verse 13 is about, with Rebecca's statements upon me be thy curse, my son will obey my voice and go. That's nothing short of the big Mack truck revving its engine and shifting the lower gears. You're going to get knocked down. You're going to get mowed down. You're going to get run over or, or knocked down if you get in Rebecca's way. That's the way it is. Verse 13 basically is a statement from Rebecca that is saying, no one resists what I say. If anyone tries to resist me, someone's going to die. <laughs> Either that person's going to die or I'm going to die and because I'm not going to live to see anyone resist me. That's Rebecca. I am Rebecca. I get my way. And, and so what we see in verse 13 is really who Rebecca is. To say that Rebecca is overbearing and dominating is an understatement. Uh, and, and if you get in her way, she will be your undertaker. <laughs> because no one resists Rebekah's will and word. And for Isaac, this meant that Rebekah was an overbearing, dominating wife that he's lived with for now over 90 years. And it was pretty often that Isaac, in his frustration, had to walk away from Rebecca, the Mack truck, and say, it's a good thing you're pretty, otherwise I couldn't take it. So when Isaac thought, he had to hear God's word that Esau, the elder, is going to serve Jacob, the younger, from his overbearing, dominating wife? No. And, so, and we can see Isaac saying, I'm not going to accept that God is going to speak through my overbearing, dominating wife. And because Isaac wasn't willing to accept that God would speak to Rebekah, his overbearing, dominating wife, Isaac resisted God. And, and what Isaac did wrong here was that he did not forget about Rebekah in his face and, and did not listen to God in his ear. See? And sometimes God speaks to a child through a parent, and that child views that parent as an overbearing, dominating parent trying to tell him all the time what to do. And, but if God chooses to speak through that parent, then like Isaac did not do, that child needs to see God speaking. It needs to not see the parent speaking in his face, but to hear God speaking in his ear. And not turn away, but push through the obstacle of the parent saying, I told you so. <laughs> and for that child, he needs to learn from the passage, forget about the overbearing, dominating parent in his face. Hear God in the ear. And, and, and it may be in church, it may be in a church, it may be a, that a listener, he, he doesn't want to be in church, he doesn't, want, he doesn't like the teacher, like me, you know, and he doesn't like the person, but God's speaking in that church, God's speaking to that teacher, and if God chooses to speak in church and, and, and from a teacher that the listener doesn't personally like, then like Isaac did not do, the listener has to see God speaking in church and through that teacher. 
and not turn away, but, but push through the obstacle of the voices inside that are saying, you don't want to come to this church. You don't want to be in this church. And you're only here because you're pressured to be here. And you especially don't like listening to that person. And so for that person in the church, he needs to turn from those those other voices, learn from this passage, forget about the church, the teacher in the face, and hear God in the ear. And so the takeaway message from seeing how Isaac let Rebekah stand in the way to the, of the word of God is to forget about what is offensively in the face and hear God in the ear. So when we look at verse 1 that says that Isaac, his eyes were dim so that he could not see, called Esau, the first thing we learn is that Isaac's spiritual eyes were dim. He couldn't see because Isaac, had, he made his eyes dim, his spiritual eyes dim, because of his refusal to accept that God would speak through his overbearing, dominating Rebekah, his other Lord. <laughs> now, the next indication we have here, as Irene was mentioning, that Isaac... He had this indication that Jacob was to be God's choice for his heir, and not Esau, is seen in two significant choices. Because in these two significant choices here, Esau has made very significant, we've seen that. First, Isaac knew that when Jacob, he knew about this day when Jacob was hungry. He knew about that day when Jacob was hungry, and he came home from his hunting, and he wanted this lentil soup that Jacob had made, Esau did, and, and, and how he knew all about how Jacob had proposed to Esau to sell him his birthright for a bowl of this lentil soup. And Jacob knew that Esau had sold his birthright for that lentil soup. And, and Isaac knew that Esau so knew what he was doing when he sold his birthright for the lentil soup because Isaac knew about what, what Esau said. In Genesis 25, 32, when Esau said, Behold, I'm at the point to die, and what profit shall this birthright be to do to me? See, Isaac knew all that. He knew what kind of a person Esau was when he said, Behold, I'm at the point to die. What profit is, is this birthright to do to me? He knew that. And he knew from Esau's what profit statement that Esau saw more profit in satisfying his desire for a bowl of that soup than he did for God. And, and, and he knew that from Esau's what prophet statement that Esau saw clearly when he came to the crossroads. You know, he was really at a crossroads. He said a choice there, Esau, was bowl of lentil soup or the birthright. Ah, no question about it. Bowl of lentil soup. Bowl of lentil soup or the blessing of Abraham. Ah, a bowl of lentil soup. Bowl of lentil soup or God? A bowl of lentil soup. That's Esau. And he knew that. And, and I like lentil soup. <laughs> and they have good lentil soup at D.C. Aikens, by the way. So, but, you know, when Esau looked at the soup, you know, it was like, it's not worth it. He said, it's not worth it. God, it's not worth it. I'd rather be lentil soup. So you all go to D.C. Aikens food, and, and you tell the waitress, I want the not worth it soup. <laughs> then explain. So Isaac knew that for just one bowl of, of lentil soup, Esau gave up, gave it all up. Birthright, God, blessing of Abraham. He knew that. And Isaac knew that when Esau came to this crossroads, he said, I so despise my birthright and God and the blessing of Abraham, this soup today is worth more than that. Like it says in Hebrews twelve sixteen, lest there be any fornicator 
or a profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. So Isaac knew that, that Esau was, was, wasn't God's choice. Because he, Isaac saw Esau's uh, choice when in essence he said, my birthright is worthless. God is worthless. The blessing of Abraham is worthless. And he knew all this. Isaac, what's the matter with you? You knew this. Isaac saw that Esau had also chosen those two Hittite wives. And Isaac had strong feelings against that choice of his. As we read in Genesis 26, 34-35, Esau was 40 years old when he took to wife Judith, the daughter of Beri the Hittite, and Bashemeth, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, which were a grief of mind or a bitterness of spirit unto Isaac and to Rebekah. I mean, after all, the whole legacy or tradition or heritage of this family was all wrapped up in Abraham saying, absolutely, under no circumstances, a Canaanite wife. And so Isaac will travel the world over to go find her, but she cannot be a Canaanite. And, And so Isaac watched there after all of that. This is like a, this is a foundation of this family. And Isaac watched Esau as he nonchalantly goes off and says, oh, she's a pretty, she's, she's pretty. She's a Hittite. I'll take one Hittite wife, please. And, and then as he goes off, and, and if, if that wasn't offensive enough, then Esau comes across another one and says, oh, she's pretty also. Make that two Hittite wives. So, and the polygamy stands right in the face of his father, the monogamist. And so Isaac felt this grief of mind for Esau's decisions to go marry these two Hittite wives. And that grief of mind was God's indication to Isaac, Isaac, Esau is not your choice for your heir. He's not the one to receive the blessing of Abraham. So this gives, when you think about all this, now you read in verse 1, his eyes were dim, he could not see, he called Esau. And so his eyes were dim, he could not see, he called Esau. Isaac's eyes were dim, and we've seen how Isaac refused to see God speaking through his overbearing, dominating wife, Rebekah. Isaac's eyes were dim, and he could not see, he called Esau. Even apart from his overbearing, dominating Rebekah, in verse 1, his eyes were dim because he couldn't see, he would not see Esau despising his birthright for a bowl of soup. He would not, apart from his wife, He would not see Esau's choice to go marry the two Hittite wives. Why did he do it? I mean, why did he do it? With all of this indication, why did he do it? Well, the answer is in Genesis 25, 28, where it says Isaac loved Esau because, you won't believe it, he did eat of his venison. (laughs) You know, But Rebekah loved Jacob. Verse 1, Isaac's eyes were dim so they could not see, called Esau because Isaac loved Esau. Yeah. Isaac was too emotional. He was caught up with Esau. Isaac's eyes were dim. He could not see. That's why he called Esau. Isaac was too passionate for Esau so that Isaac's eyes were dim. He couldn't see. That's why he called Esau. He loved Esau's venison too much. So his eyes were dim. He couldn't see. That's why he called Esau. And we read these three words, he called Esau. And we see that Isaac called Esau because he loved Esau, because he, he, he liked what he made, his venison. Must have been some venison. I don't ever want to taste any of that venison. I don't believe it does strange things to you. <laughs> but that's a warning to us to not let the subjectivity of emotion 
love, and passion stand in the way of hearing and obeying the objective Word of God. And we see how Esau, he just threw the Word of God out the window for a bowl of soup. And, well, we also see Isaac throwing the Word of God out the window for some venison. It's not so far off. And when we look at Isaac calling Esau the person that God hated, all because Isaac loved Esau and he loved to eat his venison, that's a warning. Heed the objective word of God. And don't listen to our heart. Don't follow our heart. When our heart says, but I love him or her, or I love this or that. Isaac loved Esau. He loved to eat his venison. And that love caused Isaac to not obey the objective word of God, even though it came from Rebekah. And why do we see Isaac so determined to give it all to Esau? Esau who has no heart for God. Why? Thank you for listening to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. If you would like to hear more of this message or other messages by Tom Cantor, visit our website, friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or go to iTunes.com and search for the Friendship with God podcast. All messages are cataloged by date and all available for free listening and free download. You can also call us directly for more information at 800 247 3051 800-247-3051. Thanks for listening to Friendship with God. Join the Creation Earth History Museum for our 10th Annual Museum Day Family Festival, Saturday, September 26th. Hi, this is Jason Payne, museum curator. I want to personally invite you and your families to a free, fun-filled event including new exhibits, testimonies from leading scientific experts, meet NASA astronaut Colonel Jeffrey Williams, and many others. Activities for the entire family. So join us Saturday, September 26th from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Go online to learn more at creationsd.org or call 619-599-1104. 619-599-1104.